0: the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimiye. A man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word, and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as life and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. It's on the screen but let me also look at my 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 copy bible here and then we'll do the reading okay let's start from verse nine please start from verse nine sorry let's start from verse eight are we together please pay attention to reading and um, pay attention to not just what is said, but what is taught. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In sight and offense. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring you of the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Verse 11, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast have fruits before the time in the field," says the Lord of hosts. Verse twelve: "And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land," says the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. I'm teaching tonight on tithes, offerings, and church giving.s Tithes, offerings, and church giving.s Let's pray in a minute. Lord, we trust that your spirit will bring clarity to this conversation and that we would be blessed and edified. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Tithe offerings and church givings. Now, before I go into the bulk of my teaching, I want to first of all say that this topic is a very controversial and contentious one. And we may never really arrive at um, some form of unity through um, the ages of this present time. Before I was born, the tight debate and the tight controversy existed. When I leave the earth, it will continue. (laughs) Except to have other evidences that clearly instruct in this direction, based on the evidence we have right now, it is always going to be left for debate. It's going to be up for debate. Those who teach against the tithe have their point. Those who teach for the tithe have their point. My job this evening is not to convince you against the tithe or for the tithe. It is to show you what the Bible teaches. Beyond what the Bible says, show you what the Bible teaches show you the tone and the emphasis of scripture concerning the subject. And then, of course, let you decide. I like to teach like that. I don't like telling people what to do. I show them what the Bible teaches. Not just what is written, but the spirit of the scriptures. Then I say, well, you choose for yourself what you think you should do. But irrespective of anybody's stance on the titan debate, um I have met good Christians who do not tight. <laughs> I've met poor Christians. When I say poor, I mean people that are not too spiritual, who are also tight. So you whereas know, of where you stand on the debate, it is not something that we should begin to exaggerate in its implication. People who often say extreme views or give extreme views about the subject should be careful. Anybody saying that if you don't tithe, you go to hell is a liar. And I don't care what the person said, who the the, the person is. The person lied. Maybe the person is not a liar, but the person didn't say the truth. Alright? Also, anybody who says if you are giving tithe, you are doing something wrong, is also lying. (laughs) I will show you from scriptures. However, like I said, it's an age-long debate that may never really end. And you would soon see why it is so. Because we have very little evidence to support or oppose the subject. But we can deduce based on the spirit of scriptures, based on spiritual common sense and come to a reasonable logical, or reasonably logical conclusion. Are we clear on that? Okay. So what I'm going to teach tonight will be very clear, very thorough, very direct, yet it will leave you to decide what you think is the right thing to do. And I will also give you my own personal sentiment, and I believe that I have the spirit of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So the first mention of the tithe is with respect to Abraham. Um, after he returned from war, he met Melchizedek and he gave him a tenth of the spoils of war. The phrase, the tenth, is one over ten, or ten percent, or tight. And that's the first mention of the tithe. However, in my study, I've discovered that the concept was not something that began with Abraham. No. But the first mention of the concept is with respect to Abraham's offering to Melchizedek a tent. And this is also referenced in Hebrews chapter 7. However, it was referenced to show the superiority of Christ in the Melchizedek priesthood over the Levitical priesthood. If you don't understand what that means, don't worry, we'll get there and thoroughly explain. But Abraham's tithe giving is mentioned by the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 7. Alright? and But the essence of this documentation was not to teach for or against tithe. It was just to explain the superiority of Christ in the priesthood of Melchizedek or in the order of Melchizedek over that of the Levites. Because the concept that the writer of Hebrews used was that Levi, who was a great grandson of Abraham, was in the loins of Abraham when Abraham paid or gave tithes to Melchizedek. And so because Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek, Levites also gave tithes to Melchizedek. And since the person who receives the tithes is greater than the person who gives the tithes, Levi is inferior to Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is greater than the Levitical priesthood. And so, although Jesus did not come through the Levitical priesthood, he's still superior to the, to the Levites. Do you understand that? That's the reason why it was mentioned. But I'm just saying that to trace the beginning and the origins of the tight conversations in scriptures. So, there are about four books and chapters where the tithe conversation is um, thoroughly mentioned, not explained, but mentioned. Let us see them one after the other and then we'll begin to unravel and unfold. Deuteronomy 14, verse 22 to 30. Deuteronomy 14, and verse 22 to 30. Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there. The tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thine oil. Please note corn, wine, and oil. Amen. Amen and the firstlings of thy herds and thy flocks, please note herds and flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. Also note beyond the instruction, the purpose of the instruction. And if the way be too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it, or if the place be too far from thee, which the Lord thy God shall choose to set his name there, when the Lord thy God has blessed thee, then thou shalt turn it into money. Also note the flexibility of the instruction. All of these things are key to understanding the New Testament application of these principles. Are we still together? Yeah. And bind up the money in thy hand and shall go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul lusteth thereafter, which is desire or craves, for oxen, for sheep, or for wine, of a strong drink or whatsoever thy soul desires and thou shalt eat there before the lord thy god and thou shalt rejoice thou and thy household and the lover that is within thy gates thou shalt not forsake him for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee at the end of three years thou shalt bring forth all the tides of thine increase please note the other dimensions of the instructions. These two tithes we're talking about. The same year, and shall lay it up within thy gates. And the Levite, because he has no partner inheritance with thee, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, which are within thy gates, shall come, and shall eat, and be satisfied from the tithes, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thy hand, which thou doest. Is that the last verse? Alright. So quite a very interesting read. And um, you'll be more excited when we begin to explain. But let's see Malachi 3 verse 10. Just verse 10. We read it as a text. So, Just verse 10. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. Please note the location where it should be brought. Into the storehouse. That there may be meat in my house. Please note the purpose of the bringing. And prove me now here, which says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Matthew 23 23. Warn to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and comnen, and have omitted the wa matters of the law fear you I'm quoting you are not on the screen of the law and judgment and mercy and faith this ought ye have to this ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse one or verse five to nine. For this Marquis, the king of Salem, priest of the most sorry, do verse five to nine, please. And verily that verily they that are of the sons of Levi who receive the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people, to receive tithes of the people according to the law that is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. We're reading to verse nine, please. But he descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham, and blessed him. It's talking about Melchizedek, yeah, that he had. Please follow me, you I'm still reading verse six. And blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here, men that die receive tithes. But there but there he receiveth them. Of them it is witnessed that he liveth. And as I may so say, Levi also who received tithes paid tithes in Abraham. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, there are a few other mentions of the subject of tithes but these are the bulk emphatic words. So putting all this information together, we can now begin to teach and explain the biblical position on titans. Glory to God. The first argument against the tithe is that it is an Old Testament concept or it is a mosaic law concept and that since believers are no longer under the law, tithing automatically is discarded. Well, even if you are going to teach against the tithes, that's a lame excuse. That's a lame defense. It doesn't really hold water. Why? Because of two reasons. First, like we read from Abraham's life, Abraham was not under the Mosaic law and he practiced the tithes such that even when the writer of Hebrews was going to mention about the tithes, it was Abraham that was the conversation starting point. Of course, we have seen why he mentioned that, to explain the superiority of Melchizedek and Jesus. But the writer of Hebrews acknowledges that the tithe is not a mosaic law concept. Amen? So that argument does not stand. If you are not going to tithe, you cannot be based on, well, we are not under the mosaic law. That's not really a solid argument against the tithe. However, To say that just because Abraham tithed, every Christian should tithe is not also a solid defense because there are many things that Abraham did that we are also not doing. Abraham offered sacrifices, burnt sacrifices, all of those things he did. Christians do not do all of that. So just because Abraham did it does not mean we should do it. Amen? Amen? So we have to understand the subject beyond just his Old Testament and his New Testament. That's not how a Christian should reason. Once again, all scripture, Old and New Testament, given by the inspiration of God, and when they are properly examined and interpreted, it is profitable for doctrine. So we can get doctrine from Abraham's Titan Act. We can get doctrine from Abraham's Circumcision Act. We can get um, doctrine from Abraham's um, other activities that we may not really emphasize and focus in the New Covenant. Are we still together here? Okay. However, to explain the use of the old covenant and even the mosaic law, which we are not entirely discarding, we are reminded that the mosaic law was like a schoolmaster. In simple terms, you can say the mosaic law was primary school teacher. One of the reasons why the mosaic law came with seeming threats of curses was because it was like a primary school setting. How many of you were taught while growing up how to cross the road? Please raise your hands. We thought how to cross the road. How many of you had something like, if you want to cross the road, look left, look right, look left again? How many of you were taught something like that? How many of you were warned and threatened to be flogged and punished if you don't do it like that? Okay. So, the law, as a school, school master, a primary school master will give specific instructions and sometimes come with threats because the capacity of those under the law could not take thorough holistic education. So a baby, little child, four-year-old, five-year-old is told, when you want to cross the road, you must. I don't want to hear, I forgot to, you must look left and look right, and look left again before you cross. And if you fail to look left again, I could scold you because of that. I could punish you because of that. I could beat you because of that. All of that threatening and punishment was to install a safety mentality in that child. Are we still together? Yeah. Now when the child is 15, 16, 18, it does not need to be threatened like that anymore and says you must look left and look right and look left again. That information is not really important in that sense. The child already understands that the essence of those express instruction was to install a safety mentality. Now we have grown up to understand it's all about safety. It's not about left and right and left again. It's just about safety. What God was teaching or what the schoolmaster was teaching is not left and right and left again. It's be careful, be thorough. Alright, because you could die here if you are not careful. And so, in the new covenant, we enter into university classes. We are no longer under the law in the sense that we are no longer being taught by a primary school teacher. So, all the left, right, left, right, and if you don't do it, we will punish you. It's no longer applicable. So, when we teach about tight, we don't say there is a devourer, there is a curse. We don't do all of that. Because all of that was for primary school education. The capacity to understand the whole counsel of God, the people did not have it. So they had to be threatened, they had to be warned. There'll be a devourer, there'll be a curse. Just so that they can understand the essence of the divine instruction. Hallelujah. Follow me closely. I'm going somewhere with all of this. Because if you are going to get any doctrine from scripture, of the old covenant, you can't get it by just saying, eh, that one is old covenant. We are in New Testament. No, 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 that's how it works. You must first of all understand what is the purpose of the old covenant? What's the essence of the old covenant? And Galatians the 4 tells us it's a schoolmaster. And that once we have become matured, we no longer need a schoolmaster. Are we still together here? So, tithing under the Mosaic law is no longer applicable for any New Testament Christian. I'll say that again, in case you didn't hear me. Tithing as practiced under the Mosaic law does not apply to the New Testament Christian. Because we are no longer under the schoolmaster of the law. We are under, as it were, the professor of grace. And so, the, edu- the way we are educated is not the way those under the schoolmasters were educated. You must look left, must look right, you must look left again. If not, we'll beat you, we'll scold you, we'll punish you. That, that's not important in the school of grace anymore. Glory to God. In the old covenant, under the Mosaic law especially, the tithe was practiced as tax. The tithe. Was practiced as tax. It was not just a religious principle, it was a civil principle. It was not just to attract spiritual blessings, it was to service national principles and practices. So it was practiced as a tax. Do you understand me here tonight? So in the new covenant, that obviously doesn't apply. Because we are not practicing that kind of government, as it were. We are okay, we are running a government and uh, then we are, we, are, we are taxed to run the government. Not like that. I will soon show you the implication of the so-called taxation principle of the tithe. However, we don't give tithes as a tax. Because it was not just a spiritual practice in those days. It was a civic practice, of course. Israel was not separated in the sense of civil and spiritual obligations. Their entire civil framework was intertwined with their religious and spiritual life. So even their spiritual leaders um, were also civil leaders. And their civil leaders were also spiritual leaders. Are we still together? Follow the conversation closely and slowly. I'm trying to take my time so that you can really get it. So we don't tithe like like we're taxing or we're giving tasks in the new covenant. Now, nothing in the Bible criticizes tithing. I've read it, I've searched it, I've studied it. Nothing, absolutely nothing in scripture condemns rebukes, criticizes, ridicules or mocks titan. Nobody can bring one scripture proof. prove. Now anybody who wants to play the card off, it was in the law. And since the law has been abolished, the person once again does not understand how to use scripture. You cannot say the Bible or the New Testament condemns the Old Testament. You cannot say the New Testament condemns the Mosaic law. You cannot say Jesus has abolished the Mosaic law and so everything under the Mosaic law is abolished. When you talk about the law, please understand the various dimensions of the law. Some of those dimensions have been truly fulfilled, that's the best way to say it, fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus himself said, I did not come to destroy the law. This idea of New Testament is against Old Testament, it's not a Christian mindset. It's not the way Christians. I have taught you this before. It's not like New Testament is fighting Old Testament. Just like professor is not fighting primary school teacher. The professor actually needs the primary school teacher to do a good job, so that in university you will not be giving us trouble. At other level, I was supposed to have mastered the YBS, but I did not. I didn't do for that math in secondary school. And I we go to university, and the we were going to do five kinds of mathematics. As a chemistry student, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I didn't do for that maths. I said, that's your headache. So the professor will be teaching and he will say, well, you already did this in secondary school. The Y, and I will say, I did not do it. He says, I can't help you because this is university. You're supposed to have mastered that one. I can't help you here. So I failed three of my mathematics under-level courses. I failed it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I had to go and read the YDX again, integration, master it on an elementary level before I now wrote, wrote the exams and passed. So this whole idea of if it's in the Mosaic law, the New Testament is against it and opposes it. That's not how you read the scripture. There are is in the Mosaic law that set a pattern, listen to the words I'm using, a pattern for New Testament practices. Why did Apostle Paul quote the mosaic law? If the mosaic law was abolished. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2 is mosaic law. In the sense that it was under the law of Moses that it was established as a law. Honor your father and your mother. It's the first commandment with a promise. Why did Paul quote it if you are going to say the mosaic law has been abolished. Everything in the mosaic law has been thrown away. That is mosaic law. It is no longer useful. That's not have a Christian talks. That's not not the intelligence of a New Testament believer. Glory to God. So once again, nothing in scriptures, nothing, whether passively or actively, whether indirectly or directly, condemns the tithes, nothing. Never was the tithe ridiculed, mocked, criticized, rejected, never. But also, in the New Testament, nothing directly commands or instructs the tithes. In the New Testament, you cannot see one instruction towards tithe Not one. You can't see any command to tithe in the New Testament. The emphasis of the Old Covenant, listen. The emphasis of the Old Covenant were specific instructions concerning givings. They were named. They were labeled. You give. You tithe. You pay your tax. There were specific instructions concerning givings. Give to widows, give to the priests, give to the poor, give to family. They were specifically labeled. In the New Testament, the emphasis shifted from specific instructions to a general overview of the principle. A general overview of the principle. It's the same thing with every other instruction too. In the old covenant, you are giving instructions about everything. What to do with your neighbor, what to do with your enemy, what to do with your friend, what to do with your wife, how you must wear clothes, how you must tie hair, how you must dress. In the New Testament, it just says love. A general overview. Are you following me here? Just like the example I gave. Primary school, they will teach you when you want to cross, look right, look left, look right again, look left again. Specific instructions because the capacity to understand a holistic instruction is absent. But when you are grown, you just say, be careful. She can. It does not mean that, look right, look left, it's demonic. Mm-mm. Doesn't mean that. Are you following me here? Yeah. So although the Scriptures does not, in, or the New Testament, does not in any way instruct Titan, it does not mean the New Testament does not support Titan. Hey, are you with me? <laughs> Just because the New Testament does not command, let me give you an example just because the new testament does not command you for instance with respect to don't wear brestilolo does not mean the new testament does not support modest dressing are you following the logic here so people say the bible is silent on women dressing well actually that's not even true first Timothy 3 and second and peter mentions women should dress modestly okay but to now say in specifics the bible is silent about cleavage is the Bible really silent about is it cleavage or cleavage? It, it, now, just because it is not mentioned verbatim, does not mean there is no general overview perspective about it. Are we together now? So, in the Old Testament, you see specific instructions about give to this, and give this percentage, give in this place, give at this exact spot, give like this. In the old, new covenant, you just see general instructions about giving. Give cheerfully, give bountifully. Do you understand here? Yeah. But to say that that now means that the New Testament teaches against titan. No, no, you are not studying Johann. Well, Nothing in the New Testament opposes Titan. Matthew 23-23, Jesus had a chance to forever shatter the Titan concept. He did not. He said concerning the Pharisees, he was rebuking their hypocrisy. You give tithes of mints and anise and cumin, some of these things are even vegetables. So, these guys tithed to every single thing they receive. Curry leaf, they will on it. Bitter leaf, they will on it. Okra, they will on it. And it says, You have omitted the weightier matters of judgment, mercy, and faith. So, let me say emphatically judgment, mercy, and faith is weightier than tithe. Amen. Amen. But Jesus now says, concluding this statement, this ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. So Jesus says, both of them should be done. Are we clear? <laughs> However, it will not be scripturally honest to say Jesus used this to command the tithe. No. It did not necessarily in this tone command the tithe. When way of studying scriptures, don't just see what is written. See the tone. See the spirit of what is written. I will not say Jesus commanded us to tithe because the Bible says this ought to have done and not to leave the other undone. I will not say that. I will not say that. I will will say that Jesus did not condemn the tithe and Jesus, I will say Jesus encouraged the tithe. But command mm -mm, is a strong word. To say Jesus commanded the tithe, no, I won't say that. Glory to God. Are you learning anything tonight? Follow me, follow me, follow me. Follow me carefully. So, the scripture does not condemn the tithe. The New Testament does not command the tithe. The emphasis in the New Testament is a general instruction towards giving. Give bountifully, give cheerfully. All of that does not give particular labels as commands and instructions. But I've already told you why. That is because the New Testament assumes that you have sense. That even if you are not told, that you should give your friend in need, that you should should have sense. Do you need a Bible verse to tell you if your friend is in need, give him? You don't need that. (laughs) You're not in the old covenant, you're not under the schoolmaster of the law to be told that everything. You don't need that. Okay, let's progress. Are we still together? To better understand the concept of the tithe, and once again I'm using this phrase concept. You see, many of the Old Testament practices should be understood as concepts and principles. Not necessarily as straightforward instructions. Concepts and principles. For instance, what is the idea behind circumcision? Why did the Old Testament Covenant command circumcision. What is the idea behind don't eat certain food? What is the idea behind don't wear certain clothes? Understand the principle, understand the concept, then understand its implication and application in the New Testament. Are we still together? One of the ways you can do that with the tithe is to compare it with the Sabbath. Is the Sabbath is the Sabbath um a biblical instruction? Is the Sabbath an Old Testament instruction? Is the Sabbath a mosaic law? Is it amongst the Ten Commandments? Should the Christian observe the Sabbath? Amen. Now, if the Christian observes the Sabbath, it already shows you that, okay, he has to observe the Sabbath as a principle because if you observe it in the strict letter of the law, the Sabbath is a Saturday, first of all. Are we together? And that is also relative. In Dubai, the Sabbath is a Friday. Here in Nigeria, the Sabbath is a Sunday. And since the resurrection of Jesus took place on a Sunday, all the apostles now, as it were, converted the Sabbath to Sundays. So notice that they understood the concept but applied it in a New Testament way. Are we following here? You don't just rubbish the concept and say, it's Old Testament. That's Sabbath thing. It's Old Testament. Because some of the things you will see, even in, for instance, Colossians 2 speaks about the Sabbath as a type and a shadow that has passed away. Okay? That's in the strict adherence of the letter, the Sabbath has passed away. Jesus is our rest. Glory to God. So the rest is not just a day. It's not just, I mean, a time of the calendar. It's a person. In that sense, Jesus is our rest. The Sabbath has passed away, has been fulfilled in Christ. But the principle also applies not just as a spiritual etiquette because even machines need to rest. Even those who labor need to rest. One of the purposes of the Sabbath was actually to help servants rest so that they won't be overworked. Even donkeys, animals, need to rest. The principle still applies. As a business man who is a Christian, you're not supposed to employ people and be overworking them. It's, you are breaking the law of the Sabbath. Like that. So to say the Sabbath is discarded, it's a mosaic law. Uh-uh. The same way the tithe is a principle what is its application in the new covenant is there an application if there is what exactly is the application so if you understand how you can you know practice the sabbatical principle you probably also have learned or you can learn how to practice the tithing principle glory to god remember you don't tithe like you are giving taxes like you're under the law no we're not under the law yes but the principle has to be studied and also applied. That's how we become scriptural believers. Not just by cherry picking on some New Testament portions and saying, this is New Testament, this is New Testament. That, that's how we Christians do. Solid Christians don't do that. They understand that all scripture is given. So we now deduce, we deduce and say this one is fulfilled in Christ but the principles can still be practiced by the believer. Glory to God. Let me give another example to help you understand the principle of the tithe. If I command you, okay, if you get one again and I give you instructions and I said, well, as a new convert, you must, every time you wake up in the morning, you must first things first, pray and read your Bible for one hour. And I give a particular time for one hour. Are we still together? And I say, you must do. I say must. And the next week, I call you and I say, are you praying for one hour? And if you say, no, I say, hey, you're not doing well. Be careful, you're not doing well. After five years, huh, I don't expect that I'll still be giving those exact instructions of you must pray for one hour. After five years, it does not mean if you prayed for 30 minutes, you have sinned. Hello. But that principle of give God your first one hour—is it a good principle? Yeah. That's, that's that's how you must interpret the tithe, not in the verbatim letter instructions, but in the essence of it. Why was the tithe instructed, and how does it apply to the New Testament believer? Why does a pastor tell a newcomer to pray for one hour first in the morning before he touches his phone? Why? What is he trying to do in, that, in the heart of that person? Then what can I learn? I'm not a new believer but what can I learn from that principle that the pastor is teaching a new believer? That's how you must be as a New Testament Christian. Glory to God. Yeah. Anybody can easily pray the lazy card of, it's legalism. I can you say I must pray for one hour? It's legalism. You don't understand it if you talk like that. It's not legalism, it's building habits. Because that person is new when he's grown, he can now be flexible with the habit. He can say, I didn't pray in the morning, but I will pray at night. Are you following me here? Yeah. And in fact, he should say, I pray in the morning, but I also pray in the night. He <laughs> shouldn't just stop at the elementary instruction. The elementary instruction was just a guide. Now that it's mature, he it should do beyond the elementary instruction. Glory to God. One of the ways we can this is a bypass, by the way, but one of the ways we can um, fully understand the biblical perspective of tithes is to check how early church fathers interpreted the subject matter. And I'd like to read you a few quotes by three church fathers, Irenaeus, Clement of Alexandria, and then John, John Chrysostom. I'd like to read you some of the things that they said about the tithes, and I'll go back to what I was saying. The first thing here is from Irenaeus. Irenaeus is a very important figure in church history. He was a direct disciple of Polycarp, who was a direct disciple of Apostle John. So Irenaeus actually witnessed some of the fragments of the first apostles. He experienced their ministry in a direct sense. So he's an authority in church history. Are we still together? This is what he says concerning tithes. The Jews were constrained to a regular payment of tithes, he says. Christians who have liberty assign all their possessions to the Lord, bestowing freely, not the lesser portions of their property, since they have the hope of the greater things. What he calls lesser portions is the tithe. He says the Old Testament saints were constrained, but we are free. We have liberty, and so we actually should do be beyond the tithe. This is not me, you no, talk. Amen for this reason that the lord instead of that commandment you shall not commit adultery he forbid even concupiscence, and instead of that which runs thus you shall not kill he prohibited hunger and instead of the law enjoining the giving of tithes, to share all our possessions with the poor, not just all our possessions, and not to love our neighbors only, but even our enemies, and not merely to be liberal givers and bestowers, but even that we should present a gratuitous gift to those who take away our goods. So, Arrhenius understood that, see, the commandments are given specifically don't commit adultery, don't keep, don't steal. The New Testament doesn't need all those faculty instructions. We just walk in the law of love. Which actually is an upgrade on those specific instructions. So the old covenant will say, those not commit adultery. The new covenant says don't even lost in your heart. It's a higher level. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So with respect to the tithes, Arena is saying, well, the old testament commanded the tights. We don't need the command of the tights, or we should even do more than the tights. Glory to God. And this is what the man Clement of Alexander said is also um, a very important. Figure in church history, this is what it says: the tithe of the fruits and of the flock of the fruits and the flocks touch both piety towards deity and not to covetously grasp anything. So Clement is saying the essence of the tithe is to defeat covetousness and to make you devoted to God. Glory to God. Instead, one should share gifts of kindness with one's neighbors, for it was from these I reckon, and from the first fruits that the priest will maintain. So, Clement goes on to say, one of the essences of the tithe was to maintain the welfare of the priest. That's also actually very clear in scriptures. You don't know, need Clement to explain that to you. Glory to Jesus. Yeah. The last person I'm cutting here is John Chaiwisotam. I hope I spelled or I pronounced that correctly. Now, he it says here, yeah, woe to him. It is said, who does not give alms? If this was the case under the old covenant, much more it is under the new. If where the getting of wealth was allowed and the enjoyment of it and the care of it, there was such provision made for the succor for the succumbing of the poor, how much more in that dispensation where we are commanded to surrender all we have. For what did not they of old, or for what did not they of old do? they gave tithes, and tithes again upon tithes for orphans, widows, strangers, whereas someone was saying to me in astonishment at another, why such an one givest tithes? What a load of disgrace does this expression imply? In other words, anybody who asks that kind of question, why are you giving tithes? It's a disgrace to a generation. That is my own interpretation, and I believe I have the spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Since what was not a matter of wonder with the Jews, has come to be in, so in the case of the Christians. In other words, if it was not an argument among the Jews to give tithe, why are Christians, who should know better, arguing about it? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. If there was danger then in omitting tithe, think how great it must be now. This is the verdict of Bro John. A early church father. He lived in 349 to 407. So that's just a few hundred years after the resurrection. This also maintained contact with the practices of the earliest churches. Glory to God. Back to my conversation here. So the issue of the tithe in its principle must not be done based on the nomenclature, the terminology. If you are going to practice tight as a New Testament Christian, you can practice it based on the nomenclature. It is called tithe. What is tithe? A tent. However, that means that if I'm giving 15% of my income, I'm not giving tithe Because tithe is a tent. Is that not so? 15% is not a tenth. So in that sense, in fact, I'm breaking a law. <laughs> so if you are going to practice Christ as a New Testament Christian, you cannot focus on the nomenclature. It's called tight, tight, tight. I know that generally the term is used. Come and give your tight. Give your tight. You must give tight. But then the, we cannot just focus on the nomenclature, tight. No, you cannot. Because we you are going to practice as a New Testament principle, if you limit yourself to the nomenclature, in fact, you will not give as a New Testament Christian. Glory to God. Okay. Now, let us go back to some of those scriptures again and examine what the purpose of the tithe is. Deuteronomy 14 and verse 22. When you understand the purpose of an Old Testament instruction, you can now deduce the implication for the New Testament application. Are we clear? Thou shalt truly tithe off the increase of thy seed and the field that the field rather, bringeth forth year by year. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there. The tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thy oil, the firstlings of thy herds, and of thy flock, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. I've had arguments against monetary tithes. And they say that uh, the tithe of the Old Testament must be—it was wine, corn, and oil. And anybody collecting tithe as money is a thief. <laughs> you do, you do, are, you, are you kidding me? Next verse clears it now. And if the way be too long for thee, so thou art not able to carry it, or if the place be too far from thee, which the Lord thy God shall choose to set his name there, when the Lord thy God has blessed thee, then shall thou turn it into money. Because they end with agricultural produces, they were also permitted, as it were, to give their tithe in agricultural produces. Do you end in agricultural produces? So I can't say, if that is going to be practiced, we must give it oil and corn. That's, that's biblical literacy. Grade A? Come on, you should not be thinking like that. Because one verse clears it, one verse. And this was put in the Old Testament, too. Are we clear now? But look at verse 23 again. I like you to note the words carefully. The old testament is so beautiful. Amen. I so gracious. <laughs> look at the, next, the last statement. That thou mayest learn. So the essence of the giving of the tithe was so that you may learn to fear the Lord thy God always. Put it in the NLT. Let us Enjoy the beauty of this verse. Doing this will teach you to always fear the Lord your God. This is not the version that may give me a clue, but this is enough for me. I can, I don't have time. I can check several other versions. But the concept is this. Israel had to maintain a consciousness of God with respect to their finances. We saw that they were instructed, don't, don't forget, it is God that gives you power to make wealth, Deuteronomy 8, And one of the simple ways to maintain, the word fear of God is to maintain consciousness of God. One of the simple ways they were taught was that when you earn your harvest, take a tent. In giving the tent, you are reminded that it was the lord of the harvest that blessed me are you following now it was a principle to teach divine consciousness or it was an instruction to give to teach divine consciousness because in the final analysis it's not like god needs the tithe no it's not like god is hungry it is to help the giver maintain because money can make people forget god when people are, like the rich fool, when he don't talk by food, he said, I will build another man. And God said, To who fool? To mind. Because he forgot. One of the ways they remembered was by giving the tithes. So every time they brought the tithes, they remembered it was the Lord he gave us power to make wealth. Are you following here? Yeah. Now, that same concept is also useful in the New Testament. Even though the title is not commanded and taught verbatim, if I teach you, for instance, that when you become a salary earner, look at, look at it. When you become a salary earner, gather your first salary, split it into two, and give your parents half. Is it a bad idea? Why am I giving that instruction? So that you don't forget, except you're an orphan, that people pay your school fees. So. You're not a big girl, Who pays your school fees? So. Now, if I teach you that in the New Testament, somebody will say, No, that's legalism. No, that's not legalism. That's just common sense to remind you. Because you can forget. That's not legalism. That's the same concept, the same principle for the tithe. That when I last entered, you We now have showed apart. We say, Tithe. And in giving the tithe, you are remembering. The Lord who gives me power to make Do you understand? That's all. That's all. That's all. That's what he's trying to teach. If you can remember the Lord without giving the tithe, that's fine too. It's fine. But if they work, Tithe, they work. When you bring that money, I say 10%. Hello, you do this one. If they work. If you give tithe, you know that it, it reminds you that. God blessed me. You will not be taking up. Ah, ah. You won't be like that because you are, are practicing the principle that reminds you. Glory to God. Yeah. Back to Deuteronomy 22, please. We are reading, I think it was 24. Hey, this time is running and PRU is not helping my soul. Let me open my Bible. Let go. Okay. Now, when the Lord, your God, blesses you with a good harvest, the we can keep on with it. The place of worship he chooses for his name to be honored might be too far for you to bring the tithe. If so, you may sell the tithe portion of your crops and herds, put the money in a pouch, and go to the place the Lord, your God, has chosen. When you arrive, you may use the money to buy any kind of food you want. Now, already, we see that there are different kinds of tithes. In fact, Eventually, by the time you calculate all that Israel gave, or commanded to give, whether the Mosaic law as it was adding up to about 23%. There was a tithe that they brought and gave. There was a tithe that they also ate from. There was a, a tithe that they gave once in three years. All that accumulated to about 19% or, 23, or 19 to 20% of their average income. So, proponents of the anti tite teaching often say, eh, there are different kinds of tithes. Which of the types are the we tithes we're going to practice? Instead of counting the tithes we're going to practice, learn the principle and say, how do we apply this principle? That's how a Christian thinks. Yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. Now, notice it says, when you get there, whatever you crave to eat, cattle, sheep, goats, wine, other alcoholic drink, amen. Yeah. Other alcoholic drink, amen. Yeah. Once again, you read our New Testament instruction, you now check what the New Testament application. The Bible says we should be drinking alcoholic drink with our tithe. I have used my tithe to buy goodness. That's not how to apply this scripture. Amen. It says then feast there in the presence of the Lord your God and celebrate with your household. So one of the principles of the tithe or one of the essences of the tithe is to cause rejoicing actually. Is to, you see, because when you bring your substance, you eat your craving and you rejoice in the presence of God. God was not just sitting rejoicing, he was sitting rejoicing in the atmosphere of divine consciousness. Glory to God. Glory That's why we don't go to a club. I said, God has blessed me. I go to a club. What we do is that we bring the tithe and the other expressions of generosity to the house of God and there we rejoice before the Lord. So, the tithe was not just a taxation principle. It was to facilitate divine consciousness and rejoicing in the presence of God. It was also to teach the principle that the tithe was for the Jews' good. When you bring the tithe and use it to buy food that you eat, and you eat, now your mother will go chopper. You go enjoy her. It was telling that it was a way of teaching them that God's instructions is for your own good for your enjoyment, for your own benefit. Are we following that here? Yeah. Yeah. Do not neglect the Levites in your town, for they will receive no allotment of land amongst you. Because they received no allotment of land, they were not going to farm. And because they did not farm, they also, they did not have access to harvest like the regular Jews. At the end of every third year, bring the entire tithe of that year as harvest and store it in the nearest town. So I told you, This was another dimension of the tithe. Give it to the Levites who will receive no allotment of land amongst you as well as to the foreigners living amongst you, the orphans, the widows in your towns, so that they eat and be satisfied. Then the Lord your God will bless you. So one of the essence of the tithe was also to maintain the welfare of the spiritual leaders called the Levites. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Those who teach against Titan claim that, well, in today's generation, there is nothing like Levites. Once again, that's a poor way of interpreting the scriptures. Yes, there's nothing like Levites because I'm Nigerian, I'm not Jewish. But what is the role of the Levitical priesthood? To provide spiritual services. Now, are there people providing spiritual services today? Yes, sir. Simple. You see the way people interpret scriptures. You have you cannot just put Marvel that. Come now? So those that provide spiritual, I don't want to hear the word coverage, but spiritual leadership. <laughs> One of their crosses is that they must do the work without distraction. Glory to God. People say, well, that was then. New Testament now. There's nothing like full time ministry or part time ministry or extra time ministry. May Pastor go find work, self. It's easy to say, may you not jump problem that will make you call your pastor by 2 a.m. And your pastor will call the call and say, Money, I was at work this morning, Money, May you not jump problem? You know, So what is the things that you are thinking. You know, say, ah, ko am going to balance. i balance. Amen. <laughs> I, somebody actually called me, started well, me by that's just yeah, well, it was past midnight. I'm not sure the exact time, and we needed to fix something that was going to close by six a.m. It was financial, and the only person that he first could help him was his pastor. So imagine I off my data, So. <laughs> so People say like, eh, "In that time, eh, they, they did not have land, but now, nah, Pastor says, 'When the money passed. <laughs> not be so, Amen. Amen. So, the Deuteronomy you know, version documents gives us several purposes of the tithe, which are applicable for the New Testament believer. If those Purposes still exist. Now, should we rejoice before the Lord? Yes, sir. Should we have the consciousness of God with respect to finances? Yes, should we cater for those who are spiritual oversight over us? Yes, so, if what we use to do all of those things is called the tithe, we should not be arguing about whether it is ten percent, one tenth, whether it is mosaic law. Mm-mm-mm. As long as the purposes are fulfilled they are okay. Glory to God. Same concept Malachi 3. Put, put it in Malachi 3. God gave the instruction and gave the essence of the instruction. understand Bring you all the tithes that there might be meat in my house. He says, bring me all the tithes into the storehouse and I says that there might be meat in my house. Does God want meat in his house today? Okay. Does God have a house today? Does God want meat in his house today? Yes, sir. What is the meat in his house? Oh wolfware. Oh show you showing how much that's for. O-o-f-well. See, ah, he said meat, he said meat, not money. Papa, now how do you read the Bible? <laughs> how do you read the Bible? We're talking about the implications now. Glory to God. Yeah. So the meat for now is over oh, where, well, oh, well, then. there, oh, well, over light. Hmm? Some of you don't like the chairs you are sitting on. You say, "What can I be seeing all those fine, fine chairs? You know how much they're selling. <laughs> you want the softer chair so you can sleep comfortably on it. Use this one. Who this one? you this sleep. Use this one." <laughs> Hallelujah. So, that's the meat. Meat in my storehouse is just the currency to facilitate the running of the storehouse. Whatever resources are used to facilitate the running of the house, that's what it calls meat. Glory to God. all right, right, right. Are you learning anything tonight? Okay, there's a verse in First Corinthians 9 that's and verse 9 that just also re-echoes the thing I'm teaching here, but uh, let me just say it and then probably just tie this up. First Corinthians nine, nine, for it is written, In the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of an ox that treadeth out the corn. Paul now says this is not an agricultural conversation. So when you hear tithe of wine, tithe of corn, title, you don't have to say and eh, the only tithe we should receive is in agricultural terms. No. Paul now says in verse 10. Okay, right, right. verse 9, too. So, does God take care for oxen? That is, is he concerned about oxen? Give me the NLT. You understand what it means by does God take care for oxen? For the Lord of Moses says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it shreds out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Verse 10. Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Look at that. Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us so that the one who plows and the one who treasures the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. And he was talking about generosity towards men of God. That's the context of the conversation. Are we clear with that? Yes. So anybody telling you that it was it was agricultural produce? No, the person doesn't know how to properly interpret Old Testament scriptures. Glory to Jesus. So divine consciousness, provisions for the priest and the poor, expressions of honor, and also a principle of holiness. I don't have time to explain all of this clearly, but all of this were the essence, or all of that was the essence of the tithe. The purpose. Let me say that explain that last one. The principle of holiness. The idea was seen not just in the tithe, which is at the tithe, eh? see, the tithe is Actually, an expression of the first fruit. It is also in the same bracket as the consecration of the firstborn. It was a holiness principle. God, for instance, with the firstborn, God said, to affirm that truth, your first bonds will be given to me. Are we together? And by giving the first bone, whether of men or animals or of harvest to God, all other bonds were sanctified. When I give a tithe, or if I give a tithe, I am affirming divine ownership and control of the other 90%. The idea of the New Testament tithe is not that I've given God his own, the other one, now my own. No. It was only a token of affirmation, a representative of other things. The tithe is not what God owns. The tithe is a symbol that God owns everything. Are you following that? So when you bring the tithe, you are reminding yourself, he owns me. He owns all that I have. Glory to God. That's the the concept. And that's not a concept that the Testament Christian should discard. Now, we don't practice the first dedication, anybody that is give, giving birth first, like parents, now, will carry him to school or father. That's not how we practice it. However, it will not be wrong to now say, God was giving my instruction so that the Jews will be reminded that he owns them. So, when I give back to my child, I must train them in the way of the Lord. Even though they don't go to seminary college, they will be trained in the way of the lord is that clear now yes, that's how we apply these things okay now back to malachi chapter okay there's a reference here to the firstborn sanctification and all that back to malachi chapter three how should malachi chapter three be seen by the christian first of all the essence of the tithes bring tithes to the storehouse so your tithe contributes to your storehouse it is okay. It is legitimate. God is still supporting the storehouse. Whether you give it, like I said, by the verbatim expression of tithe, one tenth, or you are generous with your income, all of them count. So, in our know, people ask me questions like, should I tithe on gross or on, uh, what's the other one, on net? Uh, if I, they said if I remove my tithe, I should return it with 20%. That's legalistic perception. Understand the essence of the instruction. not all those The reason God gave that 20% return was to make them, like we said, when a child is crossing, you tell them, look right, look left, look right again. Now, we are mature. We don't need all of that uh, certainness and warnings of if you borrow it, when you return 20%, we don't need all of that. Glory to God. So, you don't, don't practice the tithes like that. You saying is it net? Is it gross? Uh, I, 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 when I gave me the salary, the government removed from $100 as tax. Should I still pay? No, you don't need all of that. Come on, that's not the idea of that, You are already losing sight of the essence of tithe when you do all of that. I always tell you that as students, you, can be titi- you cannot be tithing on school fees. You cannot be tithing on house rent. Come on, come on. God, do you read your Bible? That's not how to do it. Glory to God. What about the devourer? First, uh, verse, verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Now, let it be clear. In the New Covenant, okay, once again, the essence of the Old Testament warnings and chastisement and punishment was because they had no capacity for adult education. Are we clear? So, it, it, it's not that there is no devourer because you are in the New Testament. No. No. However, because we are adults and you want to cross a road, you're not going to be told, moto will jam you. we we'll just tell you, be careful. But if a child is crossing, we'll be telling him, moto will jam you if you don't look right, look left, and look right again. But when you're talking to an adult, you don't have to tell him, moto will jam you. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Yeah? among adults, is there still a possibility of being jammed? Yes, well, you don't have to mention it. Because you expect that they have sense. <laughs> well, apparently some Christians don't have sense. <laughs> and I will show you what I mean. Now, if a Christian does not honor God with his finances, what happens is that he loses consciousness of God because of money and wealth. The devourer of pride will eat his soul. When the devourer of pride eats his soul, then the love of money That is the root of all evil. Now begins to happen. Do you see that? Even in the New Testament, the devourer exists, but in a subtle form. Person went to say, "Eh, New Testament, no devourer, no devourer. Eh, I don't have to give God anything. (laughs) You don't understand the subject. We mentioned devourer because the old covenant saints were, as it were, not mature enough. It doesn't mean the devourer does not exist. If now, this does not apply to tithes, let it be clear. So, like I said, if you say you're not titan, but you're honoring your finances, no wala. Are you with me? Ah. Let me say it again. Get you to hear me. If you say I'm not titan, that is, I'm not giving 10%, but I'm honoring my finances in a biblically acceptable way, that's respectable. That's acceptable. And I'll probably show you what is the biblically acceptable way. You can't be giving 1% and be saying it's a biblically acceptable way. You are joking. 1%? You can't be doing that. Glory to God. Yeah. Because people say, now nah, we are not under the law. Do you know that under the new covenant, the the the, 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 the ratio is? Look at Acts chapter 5. People sold properties and dropped all their money. And answer like, dropped half. Ta-da-ram, ta-da-ram, when you, 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 you say we uh, are under the law, <laughs> know what you are saying. Know, know what you are calm down. You <laughs> know what you are saying. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Of course, by the way, I should clear that. In honesty, it was not like they died because um, they did not give fifty percent. They died because they lied to the Holy Ghost. What was I saying now? So, this is the case now. Curse. Verse what now? Where is curse mentioned? Check verse, maybe 10. Or is it 12? Quickly, quickly. What is the word curse? Put it on the screen. Nah. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So, because they did not give, their tight. they did not pay their tax. Once you broke the law, there was a cost. That's the, that's the way the covenant operated. Once the law is broken, a cost is activated. The essence, now, the reason God did, the, now, why did God initiate that kind of a system? Can you hear me? They don't be distracted. Okay? Why God initiated that kind of a system was to facilitate repentance. The cause was not to destroy them it was to help them see that we are not working in the covenant let us turn back to god are you following me now yes. what is the implication? if someone does not honor god in his finances and he begins to experience anything that is not fitting to the description of god or the description of the blessing it's supposed to be a reminder to him i say huh, i'm doing something wrong so i'm going to repent Now, the application of this should not now be, uh, we cannot be under any curse, so I must not die. Nah, that's not how you see it. If you don't honor God with your finances, some things may go wrong. Now, some things go wrong is not necessarily God punishing you or cursing you. It is that you are not in the environment of the covenant blessing. And for instance, we see it in Ephesians chapter 6. It's... A New Testament instruction, quoting from a old testament instruction, it says, Honor your parents so that it may be well with you. So if it's not well with you, one of the first things I should ask is that am I honoring my parents? I shouldn't say no, I'm not like a curse. Oh. Oh. You shouldn't say, i oh, no, I have a covenant of long life. Hey, they say, honor your parents so that you may live long. And I say, No, in the New Testament, you don't live long by honoring your parents. Away, we? Are here. That's not how to interpret scripture. Glory to God. Yeah. So people now say, um, there's no cause. There's no cause. It depends on how you're explaining it. When it says there's no when it says there is a cause, it means that there will be no blessing. Follow. So for instance, Ephesians chapter 6: you cannot make claim of the blessing of long life when you're dishonoring your parents. You cannot now say, no, in the statement, the blessing is unconditional. <laughs> Guy, no. There are conditions for blessings in the covenant. It is not about God withholding blessings, it's about you staying in the environment of the activation of that covenant. Glory to God. So you need to understand how you apply and interpret Malachi chapter three. Let me say this. There is I've mentioned it in person. Beware of the extremism. Of the tithing practice, like I mentioned, people ask questions like, uh, "If I borrow from it, I, must I pay one? All of that? No, 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 no. If I've given my 10%, should I now, um, should I um, spend the rest? How I like it? No, that's not that's not how it works. That's not how it works. It is a principle to to remind you that God is in charge of your finances. Are we clear with that now? Okay. All right. Um, let me say a few other things. My time is up already. In Malachi 3.10, we are told, bring you all the tithes to my storehouse. Or to the storehouse. So remember, I'm teaching on tithe offerings, and church givings. In verse 9, interestingly, many people use this portion to condemn tithing. But notice verse 9, or verse 8. It did not say tithe. Will a man rob me? Or you have robbed me. How? In Titan, people who condemn tithe and don't condemn offering are not serious. You are not serious. You are not you're you not reading the Bible we are reading, or your interpretation of it is so flawed, you don't understand the basic interpretation. So all of this conversation is not that's why it's not just a tithes conversation, it's a financial stewardship conversation. In tithes and offerings, a man can rob God. Basically, in generosity or in church givings, a man can rob God. In church givings, a man can leave the environment of the covenant. But it says in verse 10 that we should bring it to the storehouse. And uh, many people also ask questions like, where should we give our tithes? Simply give your tithes to where you are fed. One of the reasons the church should, let me say it emphatically, the local church should be on the receiving end of the greatest generosities of believers, which is unfortunate. It's unfortunate the local church is not on the receiving end of that. Because there are many tele- television evangelists who receive most of the funds that church people give, Christians give. Christians don't give in their church and they give to great apostles. There's not true we're giving to the apostles, but the church, and I'll show you why. Why is that? The church is also the best means to practice every other essence of the tithe. Follow closely. Are we still together? The essence of the tithe was not just to maintain the lot of the priests, but also the lot of the poor. Follow. And then more importantly, the lot of the priests who could not walk So people come to local churches and they say, I am poor. Pastor, give me food. So in in receiving funds from Christians, the church also does charity. Missionaries write to the church. We are going on missionary activity. We want support. In supplying funds to the church, we are also supporting missionaries. That's why you must understand the position of the church as the ultimate priesthood structure in the covenant. Some people say, well, like, I can give my tithe anywhere. Actually, that's true. But, those anywhere you are saying may not do as much as the local church. The local church will do charity towards the saints, charity towards the unsaved, charity towards missionary. The local church does that with any kind of generosity. Are we getting it now? So, If you say, where should I give the tithe? Of course, the storehouse. Where you are fed spiritually. It is also clear that many people go to churches where they are not feeding spiritually. They go to churches because their parents go there. They go to churches because it is close to their house. They go to churches because their friends go there. They are not learning anything. They are not growing spiritually. That's why when you say give their tithe, you say, no, I'm going to that church, but I'm I'm going to give, give the tithe somewhere else. I will tell people, if you're not feeding from a church spiritually, leave the place. Why, Why are you there? Leave the place. But if you're feeding from a place spiritually, it is proper. It is reasonable that you tie it there. Glory to God. Yeah. Alright. And, uh, okay. what This will not be too controversial, so let me not say it. Let me not say it. Because the definition of church is relative. Uh, I'm quite a very relative. Let me say one last thing on that church giving, which is given to your pastor. Amen. 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 Should I go on? Yes, sir. Can I go on? Yes, sir. Now, unlike giving as tight or tightening, giving to your pastor is commanded. Let me bring my glasses. So, there's, no, there's, no, there's no command in the testament to give tithes. I agree. But in, when it comes to giving to your pastor, it's a command. It's not an advice. it's a command. Oh, it is. I will show you. No worries. I go quote, I'll go show you But let me say that one, one of the one of the mentalities or mindsets of modern Christians is that they feel that the church or the pastor should not be given to. Some will believe that if a pastor works a job already, he doesn't need my gifts and all of that. Just like I explained with the church principle, one of the reasons why giving to your pastor is very commanded and very healthy is that the pastor is also a source of many other forms of generosity. Many people invest in the church structure, but they don't invest in the pastor himself. The gift offerings, the gift tithes, the give to church projects, they don't give it to the pastor. Meanwhile, for instance, if there's a need of generosity in the church, it is the pastor that takes from his funds many times. Not from the church funds. <laughs> many of the things I do here in terms of financial education, I don't take it from <laughs> the church funds. I don't even have access to the church funds. Yeah, because I run, on I'm under a generation. So whatever I have to pick from the church funds has to be signed and approved by the headquarters but money if I want to have anybody I have to take from my own funds and give. Some people say, I, I give to a church, but I don't give to the pastor. Well, you don't know the whole picture. Glory to God. Giving to your pastor, like I said, is commanded a few scriptures, several actually, but let's do First Corinthians 9, which we read earlier. verse 14 says even so had the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should leave off the gospel. That is, if somebody is preaching the gospel, people who are receiving the gospel ought to give and the person should now live on that. Are you listening to me here? Galatians chapter 6 and I think in verse 6 Let him that is taught in the word Communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. Who is being taught in the word here? Some of you don't know. Now ask me. Who is being taught in the word here? Say me, don't say we. Put it another version so that you will not say that did not say we should, we should communicate. Put it another version. King James can mess me up here. I'm communicating. I send him text message. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers. Is that clear? Jesus, is that clear? Jesus. For the tithe, you can say, no, the Bible does not command, command tithe. Okay, this one is commanded, it's instructed. If you have been fed the word, God expects you to provide for your teachers. Provide is a strong word, it doesn't even say give, He says provide for them. Like a father provided for his son, provide for them. Why? It is to facilitate focus. So if you provide for me, and I don't have to think about, where will I get money, where will I get money? I can focus on the ministry of the word. (laughs) Glory to God. Once again, put your heart on the essence of the instruction. Don't just think that Paul is ash. Ah, this Paul said. How are you going to say, make they provide for pastor? Ah, Ask yourself, "Why? why is Paul saying I should provide for my pastor? Why? So that he can... Focus on the ministry of your spiritual well-being. So you take care of him physically, so that he can take care of you spiritually. Is that clear? That's the sentiment in First Corinthians nine 2. It says, "If we are provided for you spiritual things, is it a big deal if we also reap of your physical things?" First Timothy five and verse seventeen. Let the elders that rule be counted one of double honor. Everybody say double honor. Especially they will labor in the word and doctrine. Just in case you don't know the context. Give me in the NLT. Elders who do their work well. Should be respected and paid well. Everybody say paid well. Say paid well. Say paid well. Let well. well. me to am Especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. Do I work hard at teaching? Yes, sir. Pay me well, baby. Come on. But this Bible, stop. Just give Bible here. If I work hard, you should pay me well. I would say, God is your reward. Uh-uh. Don't bring that card here. Paul knew that God was his reward. But he talks the saints. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This is scripture and the uh, you can notice it, I'm going make close. But it's for your good. Philippians chapter 4 shows us from your for your good. Let me show you as the last verse. Philippians chapter 4 starts from verse. Not sure. Maybe 16. It's for your good. It's for your good. It's for your good in two ways. One, the blessing that comes with it. And there's a blessing that comes with it. Two, your pastor prioritizes on ministry. On ministry. I say this emphatically to you without any shame. The financial givings and the that I receive outside this church is hundred times more than I receive from the church. Yet now when they chop me past. You hear me Wednesday, you hear me Sunday, and sometimes many times Friday. You they chop me pass, and they use me pass. It's a principle of justice. The same way when the Bible says honor your parents. It is that they have labored over you. It is only just that you also reciprocate. It's just a justice principle. And God who is a God of justice will never be happy at injustice. Never. You are feeding well. Say, hey, my pastor they preach. Oh boy. Yeah, what? But you have never said, "Uh uh-uh. What does the Bible say about giving to my pastor? You You know the Bible is that side. So in Philippians before Paul speaks, verse 16, for, okay, I want to be sure that I get the exact um, emphasis, right? So pardon me to just look into my scriptures here. Verse 10, let's start from verse 10. It's a quite a long reading, but um, I will skip some verses. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care but lacked opportunity, not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am, to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well. Tell your neighbor, do well too. Yes. You have done well that you shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians also know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For when in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruits that are bound to your account. So if a preacher teaches you to, if he, your pastor teaches you to give to him, it's not that he seeks, gift. it's not like he's seeking your fruits or seeking your gift. <laughs> he's saying there is a fruit that will abound to your account. Everybody say, My account. Say it again. My account. my account. I am full. I haven't received from a paraphroditus. The thing sends from you. The sweet smelling aroma. When last did I smell your aroma? When last? I'm not talking about your perfume. Give perfume. When last did I, you give me something I say, ah, my soul blesses you. Even though I don't say that, my soul. Says, ah, a sweet smelling aroma. says an acceptable sacrifice and guess what? It's well-pleasing to God. Giving to your pastor is well-pleasing to... It's well-pleasing to... It's well-pleasing to... And then he says, and my God shall supply all you need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He did not pray this for any other person. Hmm? Now Philippians, now Philippians, now Philippians get the prayer. You can go and claim it. You're not know, going work. In the context of, they will say, This thing you are claiming is for people that give their pastors. You're not know, going to work. Oh my cash supply. Uh, calm, huh? calm down. No it without understanding where it, it came from. Amen. Amen. When I still like me, so. Amen. When I still like me, so. Amen. Start somewhere. You don't have to buy a car. Me and my friends grew up buying fish stores for our pastors. Yeah. That's all we could afford. And apples. And every time they refuse that it has faded, we we'll say, ah, we need to change it. Some of those pastors now are billionaires now. <laughs> if you give them fish face store, they can go, go, go on, oh. and there will be a day coming where, what is useful to me now? Will not be useful to me then. Uh, I'm warning you. <laughs> Better now, this bread that uh, you can buy, bread. I say, Pastor, I buy bread. And I will bless you. That time. My protocol will, let me, will collect it from you. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor Debo, he said, he doesn't collect car gift again. Giving it in car. Oh, I'm cool. you okay? Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. So <laughs> do what you can do now. Amen. Yeah. Be innovative. Have a generous high. You can pick something, I say. Any PJ's visit to the Baba, I will sponsor it. PJ's DSTV subscription, I will sponsor it. Be, be innovative. PJ's Cologne, I will sponsor it. I don't use expensive stuff. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. Have you learned something? Alright, that's the end. We trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedbacks. You can send us a mail at judahmaye at yahoo.com. That is j-u-d-a-h-m-a-y-e at yahoo.com. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.